So the question I have here in front of me is, how, from Stacey S, this is in the, from the community tab on the YouTube channel, where people were given the opportunity to vote up different questions. Be fooled by the one person who was closest to you. If your confidence has been shattered because you were unable to see someone for who they truly were, how can you ever again trust your ability to be a good judge of character? The question is, how do you learn to be a good judge of character? So um, after a, a painful um, breakup with somebody, you've had a difficult breakup with somebody and it's, it's, it's hurt you, and you found that the, um, to, your, to your despair and to your sadness and pain, um, the person that you thought you were with was not really the person that you thought you were with. And that's painful. And then you add to that, um, that after that, you no longer um, trust yourself after being fooled. So the question that I would be asking uh, would be um, from a somewhat philosophical point of view, and I would be asking a, a systems thinking question. In systems thinking, you're only ever considering the individual or the question, the, the um, issue that's, in, that's being looked at in terms of a system. What's working? What's not working? Um, and how can we make the system function a little bit better? So you said you were easily fooled by the one person who was closest to you. So what went wrong there? If you took love out of the equation and you took romance out of the equation, it would be like asking in another, to reframe it linguistically, it's, it's, I made an investment and it was a bad investment and I got tricked and conned in this investment. I was missold um, an investment opportunity and now I'm hurting and I'm worried that if another investment opportunity comes along that I won't make a good decision, I'll make another bad decision. So... The systems thinking question would be, well, what do good decisions look like? Are good decisions made in highly emotional states or in states of altered or spiked hormones whilst being combined with a dodgy narrative? And this is the problem with romance um, and particularly romance now is we're combining, we're in an altered state of consciousness which is the spiked emotional state, the spiked hormones, and the spiked sexual state frequently. And then we're also trying to push uh, into the frame this skewed, odd, low-functioning, not particularly healthy narrative at the same time. So I would be saying to you, um, looking to recover from that so you could trust yourself again, would be, okay, what story were you trying to live? What were you trying to do? Can you write down on a piece of paper, not on your notepad on your phone, but with a pen in the real world, a list of objectives of what you wanted? Like imagine I was gonna I was gonna look at that list. What would you write down? What would you be embarrassed for me to see? What would you want me to see if you were gonna be like, oh, so what was it that you were trying to get done? What was it that you were actually trying to do? Then write down how you went about doing that. And just review it. Just go, was I efficient with this? Was I effective with this? Was I clear in my intent? When I make an investment choice, how much time do I commit to the review process that this is a, a, a good investment? Have I written down the pros and the cons and written them down and looked at them? Have I considered where this could go wrong? Have I considered um, all of the ways in which this might not work? 
rather than rushing into it. And what you'll see is that actually there's nothing really wrong with you and nothing really wrong with what you did massively. It's just that you're not going through a review process. It's what you're not doing. It's not that, it's not, it's not that you failed. It's that you didn't do your due diligence. I mean, if it was anything else, if it was a car that you were going to buy, so you're on a budget and you're going to buy a car that's at the top end of your budget, you want to know that that car is going to give you the return on investment that you're making. So it behooves you to read the car reviews and to see, you know, how old it is and how many miles it's done and what its driving history was and read reviews online from different people, unbiased. You would do all that. But in romance, we don't. In romance, we switch off our critical thinking. It's very interesting that humans do this. I, I saw it um, uh, first in the martial arts where you would see perfectly rational, perfectly uh, balanced, grounded individuals, many of whom were, uh, you know, well-educated. They understood physics. They understood biology. And they would just lose their goddamn minds as soon as you put the frame around things of it being martial arts. Suddenly they believed in magic. Suddenly the laws of thermodynamic, thermodynamics and physiology didn't seem to apply because they're in the realm of martial arts. And I think a lot of us do that with romance. There are certain subjects we all have. Religion can be one, spirituality can be one, uh, where you can have a way of thinking. Your system is operating perfectly well over here, but then you uh, alter the subject matter and the context slightly, and suddenly you're not thinking. You're just not, it's not that you're thinking badly, you're just no longer thinking. So can you make a commitment that in the future you would spend more time checking the quality of the investment before investing? Uh, romantics will accuse me of being uh, abhorrently um, non-romantic with this, but to me, if I've learned anything, and I'd like to flatten myself that I've learned some things, and I have the humility to take those lessons on and actually apply them, rather than just require that life send me them again and again and again, it's that time is your most precious resource. Your attention is high, um, your energy is high, your emotions are high, your money is high on that list, but everything can be replenished or healed, but not time, not time. Don't let anybody waste your time. Don't let anybody waste your time. Don't frivolously throw your time away on people that you're not sure about. Because as we get older, these relationship cycles tend to get longer. You know, the, the, the three-week relationship of, your, of when you were 16 years old probably isn't going to apply. You're going to be looking, your life is more leviathonic. Your life is more titanic as you age, and so is the other person's. So if you wanna hang out together, it's not like you get to just meet on the back of the fucking school bus, right? You know, sometimes, you know, we've got people who've been in relationships and they've got kids and they've got custody and they've got jobs and they've got commitments and it's it gets harder. You're not thrown in with people. You know, you're not thrown in with potential partners. So you have to make a big effort to see them. Don't let anyone waste your time. Um, and, I would take a very pragmatic approach in future. So that's my first level response is, can you start writing down on a piece of paper what the pros and cons are? Can you start writing down on a piece of paper where you think this is a good investment of your time? And can you review what your objectives are for that relationship 
And can you review how you sought to get your needs met? I've used this example a number of time, times over the years, but I remember um, a client I had who was a very good looking woman in her 60s. And uh, she was really, she came to me because she was, her frame was she was the victim of narcissistic abuse. And she'd been dating, she felt like she was the victim of narcissistic abuse because a literal fucking circus, and I'm not making this up for a story, a literal, actual fucking circus with clowns, this is a true story, came to her town, her village, and she hooked up with a 25-year-old fire juggler. Great, good, well done, you, you, good score. You know, you're single, you're out there, you're doing your thing, do, do whatever you like. You've got the guy who's out there every night juggling fire, handsome, in good shape, and uh, great. And then, you know what he did? He left, which uh, is what people who live inside of a circus tend to do. They leave. And she was like, I'm the victim of narcissistic abuse. And I said, I think this is probably better framed as you're not making very realistic. You're not putting realistic demands on people. Did you think he was going to just leave the circus and stop being a fire juggler because he slept with you three times? Because that's not a realistic expectation. When we write these things down, we can come face to face with the realism of, of the scenario. And if it all looks realistic and it all looks congruent and it all makes sense, then go ahead. But don't go all in. Never go all in. Be boundaried all the time. All the time. Always be boundaried in whatever you're doing. Never go all in. A lot of empaths, foreign responders, codependents, people pleasers, however we want to uh, call that, have a tendency to go all in, especially in issues of love, because loneliness is the baseline state. Desperation for love is the baseline state. So like, ooh, this looks like a good opportunity. I'm going to dive into this one. It's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. So you can learn to um, trust yourself if you have a system in place that is practical, that is realistic, that is boundaried. All of these things, all of these systems, all of these practices and questions I'm giving you to ask yourself, they're boundaries. That's all they are. They represent boundaries. So be boundaried and check first. Look before you leap. Um, the other element to this can be emotional literacy. If you're very emotionally illiterate, I don't know where you're up to because I don't know you, Stacey, um, then you can be numb to the signals that the environment or the humans in the environment are giving you that maybe they're not great for you. And so developing your emotional literacy puts you back in touch with your intuition so that you can get a better sense of like, oh, my instinct is telling me not to do this right now or my intuition is saying this might not be the best thing for me to do right now. Um, that can be uh, a really, really good idea to do as well as to develop that emotional literacy. Stacy, thank you very much for this question. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions, I would take them now. They should be one sentence long and they should end in a question mark. Let me see if I can get myself a little bit more comfortable. Back to cardio today. The knee's doing good. The cardio I chose was the ski erg and kettlebell swings. Everything was fine when 11 hours later and suddenly my back is rather sore. <laughs> but the knees are good, so that's good. How to stop daydreaming. I wouldn't want you to stop daydreaming, Matthias. Stacey DeYoung, how do you deal with loneliness? The best and most direct way to 
deal with loneliness is to uh, seek to make meaningful connections with others. How to tell the difference between trauma response and intuition if alarm bells are always ringing? Ladies and gentlemen, you must reduce your emotional flashbacks. Your life will not work properly if you're riddled in a cascading series of emotional flashbacks. You must seek to reduce them. Everything is harder if you're flashbacking hard or uh, if you're flashbacking hard all the time. You'll, you'll be in a lot more conflict with people. You'll be rude and abrasive where you don't mean to be because you're in an emotional flashback. You'll be hypervigilant where it's not necessary. And then having reduced the emotional flashbacks, you must then develop your emotional literacy. I have a free course on reducing emotional flashbacks if you go to spartanlifecoach.com. Um, you will need to commit to consuming that literature, the, the book the audio and the video over about takes about two hours and then it's going to take you around 30 days to see a significant drop in the emotional flashbacks but ask people in the comments people in the comments who've done it will tell you you can make a significant uh, difference in uh, your emotional re-regulation then it will be time to work on your emotional literacy the easiest way to get that done now is to go and get the heal the superego course which is available on the website um and that then offers another 30-day process. So we're looking at a two-month process. So your emotional flashbacks will be brought down. Your emotional literacy will be developed. And then you'll have a better relationship with yourself that isn't rooted in primal-level trauma, where you can't distinguish between paranoia um, and the genuine sense of, okay, something's not quite right here. Uh, for some of us, when we talk about boundaries, we think of the boundary between ourselves and others ourselves in the external world but if there's a lot of trauma the internal boundaries uh, smash down so then we're struggling between one emotion and another can't tell the difference we're struggling between an emotion and a thought struggle to tell the difference we're struggling to distinguish between fantasy um, arguments we've had in the head and then real words that have been said to the person this leaves us extremely vulnerable and makes life difficult so please do work on reducing your emotional flashbacks re-regulating yourself emotionally and then developing that broad spectrum nuanced emotional literacy wow there's a lot of questions coming in here how do i unzombify myself um zombification can be like dissociation which is an emotional flashback so you're probably going you probably aren't aware of it but you'll be checking out of reality and you've gotten good at that it's your strength it's your skill it's your superpowers to just check out when things get stressful treat it as an emotional flashback um, reduce the emotional flashback and that should stop do you our culture exposed us to too many cinderella and hero movies which screwed up our relationship expectations i i well you know you know me like i have a lot to say about the culture that we live in and propaganda and brainwashing and so yes uh, disney has its hand in this as do rom-coms and a lot of things i do think i am a conspiracy theorist as everybody here knows i do think there was a deliberate is a deliberate effort to create division in society to keep us occupied by race, by politics, by gender, by what, by whatever you like, you name it. Um, if you can find a way of dividing people into groups and making them fight, they'll, they'll, they'll use it. There's always been trouble though, between men and women. There's always been trouble between men and women. Um, there was a nice line, uh, in the Tudors, which is a series about King Henry VIII, where a nobleman says to a commoner, a musician, uh, a real nobleman and a real historic historical musician. Um, this musician's a bit lippy. He eventually ends up getting tortured and executed because he's because he's lippy. And um, the nobleman says to him, uh, Mr. Piers, whatever his name is, if you could read Greek, you would know 
that even the gods have trouble with their wives. Men and women actually, I suspect, are supposed to have drama. Um, this is, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit Freudian here, this is the key to sex. Libidinous attraction is based on friction. You won't achieve orgasm successfully without friction, right? So similarly, psychologically and emotionally, there does need to be friction. And I think, I hope, in my most optimistic states, that you can bring men and women together when there is a realistic understanding of, as I mentioned in another video, the bad things that you can expect. Nobody's really covering it. Nobody's really covering it. I think it's, I think that the last bastion of this is church going people who have like, or, or, or religious people who have like a religious elder that they can turn to, to help them, or maybe they still have a family system that they can turn to, to help them through this. You're going to meet the other person's monster. You're going to meet the other person's unconscious the closer you get. You're going to wind each other up. And if you have a sense of humor about that and you don't let it get nasty, you can, you can flow around it. You can joke about it. It is possible to be like, oh, you're being such a man right now because you da-da-da-da. Oh, you're being such a woman right now because da-da-da-da. Without being at each other's throats and loathing each other. This is my question when it comes to relationships is can, never mind can men and women love each other again? Can we fucking like each other again? Can men like women for the entity that they are? Can women like, not love, let's start, let's crawl before we fucking run. Can women like men again for the entity that they are? And these are uh, the deeper questions. Um, I think this culture of doubt has been exacerbated in the world since the creation of the internet. Yes, I think so. Um, I was listening to a Douglas Murray interview before. He made a pretty good case that it's it's the internet, it's the post, it's a post ideological age. It's the craving for a new religious orthodoxy, and it seems to function that way. It's the financial crash, seeing the most horrendous, broad scale uh, financial crimes, and people just getting away with it scot free. So it's it's the last. 10 years, the last 12 years have been very hard on humanity. <laughs> it's been a tough, bloody uh, um, 12, 13 years. From like 2007 till now, it's been very bumpy. It's been very bumpy. So yeah. Have you read The Untethered Soul? I have not, Stacey, sorry. I have heard of that before though. Who's that all, who's, who's that all about then? What's that all about then? I want to know what The un Untethered Soul is. Why, why don't I know? How do you deal says Freedom 1984, with a narc that will not leave you alone day and night. You you tell him that he can build his own prison in Colombia and that he can live there. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that means, that, that the uh, narc in your life, the, uh, the, the, the ghost of Pablo Escobar in your life uh, is not leaving you alone. Um, is it an issue for the police? If so, you should probably speak to them. Um, how to trust, Jeff says, question, hashtag question. Question. How to trust inconsistent soupy people? I don't know. I think you can trust them to be inconsistent and soupy. Um, Ravishing Redhead says, how do you think that the knife attack at London Bridge is affecting people? It's interesting um, because, you know, the whole uh, public debate has changed. If you think um, about where we were up to right after 9-11 and then where we were up to after the London Underground bombings and where the public attention has shifted to. It's really strange um, to see people's responses to the London Bridge attack. 
um, strange and interesting and not not entirely negative. I mean, um, yes, there's probably a whole video worth of, of stuff there. I, I, I uh, yes, I'll probably I'll probably leave that there because it's it, it could take us down a hole of the rabbit hole. Jeff Watkins says, yes, I don't think you can trust them either. It's kind of a non-starter. Well, you can trust them to be inconsistent. So they're still trustworthy. It's, you know, I'm not saying it's always appropriate to do this, but sometimes, you know, when you adopt that Zen, Eckhart Tolle style, don't apply the story to a situation, it can be really helpful. Like, I know that this person is operating in this way and they'll reliably be unreliable. That doesn't make them worthless or not somebody worth being friends with. You shouldn't discount them. You still be friends with them, just they're fucking not going to show up on time. It's in a business setting, says Freedom1984. Court date is coming for trademark infringement, but they just won't leave me alone on all platforms. I don't know, my friend. I really don't. I don't know what the law says that you're entitled to do. Um, if they're, you know, I presume that you've tried blocking them and then they just create new accounts and come again. Um, perhaps this is something that... Um, you know, the laws around internet usage will probably within, I mean, not probably, definitely will change quite dramatically in the next five years, which is, which is one of the reasons I get so frustrated with people trolling because they're really, they're re like the trolls are really going to start to have an impact on people's um, freedom of speech, unfortunately. Hi, GUG Rose and hello, Tully. Thank you both for uh, moderating the comments. I appreciate it. Do you have any good resources for treating BPD? I'm afraid I don't. It's not really uh, a speciality of mine, Chelsea, but um, it can be treated. So that's a good thing. Maybe look into DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. Oh, Katie Frank says, will you please do more awareness on vulnerable narcissists? How do they hide this so well? Um, I know that I should, and I know that that's what the craving is for at the moment, is people want to talk about covert narcissists. Um, I think I'm going to leave that to the other narcissist channels to do, though, because <laughs> I get like a bit, I get a bit burnout on it. But it's, it's um, I would say this, of, of all the different types, it's probably uh, one of the most insidious and damaging types because they are vulnerable, fragile. And they'll come to you as a victim, they'll come to you humble, they'll be open and emotional. And you go, oh, well, this person doesn't look anything like the grandiose uh, traditional narcissist. So they'll be safe. And you find out that, that, that they're really not. Andrea said, I just missed you. I really need an answer. Do I tell a girl I know who's going out with my ex-narc that he is um, violent? Um, if you think that she is genuinely in danger, then yes. Do what you can to protect the people around you. Carrie Joy asks, what's your job? And my job is um, <clears throat> I sit with my multiple tentacles between dimensions, different dimensions at different times, uh, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, and I hold open the interdimensional portal through which time flows into our reality. And um, I fucking love it. It's like my favorite job. I was uh, talking to Pierre today about what the worst jobs we've ever done. And at one time, I had a job that was helping the Greek uh, sewage system that, in Zakynthos that had been built by the Brits in like the 1930s or 1940s, try and cope with the number of tourists that were there. And that was a bloody awful job. It was literally what I do now metaphysically and metaphorically, I was doing it literally. <laughs> Uh, Arabella says, hi, Richard, I love your work. Just wondered if you'd be doing another talk in Liverpool. I missed the last one. Yes, I'll be back in Liverpool over um, December. 
and um, I will be doing talks there. Dead Trail says, does the say no test still apply to covert narcissists? Yes, it does. Have you seen Dirty John on Netflix? No, I didn't want to because <laughs> it felt like work. I saw the advert for it, Dirty John, and I was like, oh God, it sounds like, this sounds like the kind of story I would hear from a, a Spartan Life Coach client. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to watch it. I find stuff on, on the, on the subject. Um, I, I find it, I do find it quite distressing. I can affect um, a sort of a jovial uh, attitude to these things, but you know, it's, it's really evil too, and, and extremely damaging, not just to the individual, but to the whole tribe to abuse uh, somebody's love in that way is a, is an extremely cruel and nasty thing to do. Where are your tour dates advertised? I uh, I don't. Um, I'm very bad at things like that, Katie. I just uh, I just be like I've booked I've booked a room, <laughs> and then I'll go on YouTube. I go I'm in a room next week. Uh, this time, uh, it looks like there's going to be one in London in March, and I'll be uh, give people like a, a three a three month run in uh, for that one, and there might be one in San Diego in March as well. In which case, I will be giving definitely like a, a 10 to 12 week run in so that everybody knows that it's on uh, they can organize flights and hotels and things. julianne says why am i laughing it's good for you would you come to australia to run a few seminars yeah sure sure i like australia new zealand sharik says what are your thoughts on masculinity in its truest form oh i don't know what does it mean to be a man how can i ever not be the essence of what i am i don't know that i have thoughts on on masculinity in its truest form what does it mean in its truest form? Is there a false form of masculinity? Perhaps there is. Perhaps they're all culture-bound notions. Perhaps there's something else there. I don't know. Do I know people, there are people who specialize in that. Um, I'm not one. I try to be um, natural as much as possible um, and try not to engage in any kind of overcompensatory behaviors. And usually I'm told by people, oh, you're, ma you're very masculine. And I'm like, well, I'm not. I'm actually toning down of the more like aggressive sides of myself, but people still say that I'm asking, so I go, okay, that's fine. Tell the truth, just tell the truth, just be you. Don't put on an act, don't put on a mask. Be authentic, be brave. It will manifest in its truest form. Your masculinity might be different to other people's masculinity, and that's fine. What is your opinion, experience on clinical hypnotherapy for trauma? Um, I, I, generally speaking, I'm a fan of hypnosis, um, but when you say hypnotherapy, it's like, and hypnosis, it's such an umbrella term for people doing all kinds of stuff. I have audios that I tell people to listen to again and again, knowing that it has a somewhat conditioning or hypnotizing effect. But hypnotherapy is not, when I'm presented with the problem of trauma, my natural instinct, and I tend to go with my instincts, isn't like, oh, the tool this needs is, is hypnotherapy. Um, indeed, for some kinds of trauma, Hypnotherapy is not uh, the, the, the right tool to use because the, the person has trust issues, which is how we started this talk tonight. So I'd incline to give them tools for them to strengthen themselves with. So they're in charge. I say, okay, here's the vehicle, here's the tool, you, you do it. Um, there's quite a lot of that. Plus it gives them back their agency and serenity rather than me, the great hypnotist, hypnotherapist, doing it to them which puts them back into a state of toxic passivity and would also end up with me uh, having a large cult of people who were utterly convinced that I had healed them when I... Anne Robinson says, will your talk in London be very expensive? Asking for us on low income. Um, the talk in London, will it be expensive? 
Compared to other two-day-long seminars, no. No, it's not. It's not expensive. Um, no. Like, if you look at, like, what most people's... It would be a weekend seminar, Saturday and a Sunday, and most people would be charging around 500 quid uh, for that. And I won't... I would be charging half of that, and I'll probably do, like, an early bird um, sale. I usually do. When I do these things, I usually do, like, an early bird thing. Ty says, I identify as a glass of red wine served in a top hat with a single green olive and an orange twist. How do I get over the fact that I spent years of my life wasted on trying to please someone? I'll never get that time back. Yeah, man, it's hard. It's really hard. If you're emotionally literate, you can grieve for the time lost, but that takes time. You've got to grieve for what has gone and then accept it. You have to accept it. If you fight it, it will just continue to be a burden and it will ruin the potential for joy that you have now and in your future. And that's uh, that's not good. That's that, that person's still wasting your time, if that's the case. So you have to accept it somehow or another. Life a beach. I would definitely like to buy something, just can't right now, but you deserve the money for the amount of info you gave me for free. Changed my life. Do you believe in prayer and the power of intent? I do. Why don't you just spend 15 seconds visualizing me looking really happy and healthy and laughing, surrounded by good people and having a good time. Let's all do that for a second. This is how we pay Richie. Happy, laughing. He's doing a weird little dance. Yeah, he likes that. He's giggling. Okay, that's that's good. That pays me. It's karmic and psychic payment. So um, that, that'll do me. Thanks, Life of Beach. I appreciate the, the, the positive vibes, man. Yuji uh, Rose horrifyingly asks, what's up with your book? Um... The book is uh, delayed um, f until for the for the foreseeable future. The, the that book is is delayed. There are other things that need to happen first before a book. There was also talk of doing a series. There are other things that need to happen first, but that's okay. Everything in its own time. Donata says a bachata happy dance for Richard. Oh yes, please. I do so. I do so love my bachata at the moment. I like to do bachata. Everybody else is doing bachata, ruffians. I, as the third Earl of Bebbington, only do bachata, and it's very posh when I do it. It almost makes my monocle fall out and makes me spill my pims. <laughs> hey, did you Skype consultations? No, I do not anymore. Sorry, Mo. Have you met any narcs since you started this channel? Um, only on Netflix, you know, when watching the pa Pablo Escobar series. <laughs> I started this channel back in 2012, and uh, yes, I did meet um, people who I would say were uh, full-blown clinical NPD. Um, I haven't really met any new ones, which is a strange and interesting phenomena in the last three or four years um, that I can't really explain outside of like a... I'd have to give like a psychic or a spiritual sort of explanation for it, where I'm like, no, man, I'm just... I'm not even on that frequency anymore, man. That was their trip, and I was inside their trip, man, and my third eye was... I can't give you, like, a reason for why. It's really interesting. There are um, bits and pieces of this work that really I can only give, like, a psychic or spiritual uh, narrative to. Um, and then some smart arse will go, haven't you ever heard of the reticular activation system and confirmation bias? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have, I have. Chances are I probably know more about it than you as well, you smart ass. Um, this is not confirmation bias. There are. There used to be a time 
where they would come to me. They would come to me like, like sharks smelling blood in the water. And then the emotional flashbacks getting better and the CPTSD getting better and the inner critic getting better. And now this year, my codependency issues, a lot of them are much, much better. Um, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. I used to live in a world that was full of people with M MPDs and I was like, we're in the zombie apocalypse, it's over. And now it just, it just, just, just doesn't happen. It's great. Rumba is sexier. How dare you, Sirius? How very dare you? Now, if I'm going to argue with somebody on the internet about something, I want to argue over which is sexier, rumba or bachata. I can't actually think what rumba looks like. I'm sure it's nice. I like all those uh, Latino styles. It's cool, man. The only one I... The only one that drives me slightly bonkers because of the music is is arrhythmic, is uh, is the Cuban salsa. That makes me a bit like, oh, I start twitching after a while listening to that stuff. Like, why don't you, you started with this beat. Why don't you just stay with, why are you moving the beat? It's freaky, I don't like it. Mosh pit is sexier, says Mariana Menendez. Thank you, Maria from Malaga. It is when I'm in there, nude. <laughs> Imagine a nude mosh pit. Oh, no, that's a terrible idea. Don't. Um, autism Powers. Wow, that's a hell of a name. Uh, is some playful criticism, a.k.a. flirting, a good way to sniff them out? Lol. Uh, who? Whom are you trying to sniff out? Um, presumably people with NPD. Uh, maybe. Maybe, but, you know, they can be very socially slick. And so, you know, they might just think that you're into them and that you're flirting, you know, so that uh, might go your way. Kata says, foro, foro, is way sexier. I don't know what that is. Uh, when might you post more about alchemy? When the great spirit of the magnum opus takes me in its large, firm hands and tells me most of the time. How to deal with massive backslides after a period of healing. Trust Chelsea in discipline. Trust in consistent action over time. This healing process should not be thought of as like um, in the modality of the way you'd normally traditionally think about therapy, years of talking, one big insight, or enlightenment, years of meditation, one big insight. It's like strength training. It's like skills training. It's like martial arts training. It's like learning an instrument. You drill and drill and drill and drill. And when you think you've learned your drill, you fucking drill some more. And it's daily, and it's consistent, and it's with action over time that you develop these neural networks that are going to empower you um, to behave in new ways and to be able to um, live your life more skillfully and on conscious level. But it takes a lot of conscious work first. That would be my recommendation. Somebody, somebody just got their message deleted. Ha ha! Were you saying something rude? <laughs> I maintain my Kazomba opinion. Oof. I reject your reality and substitute my own. I do not like his own bed. Dude, I'm so sharing this video to my recovery friends. Okie dokie, Julie. That sounds good. How can you break a trauma bond, says loving every minute. Well, loving every minute, I'm glad you asked as I made a new course uh, that came out in March of 2019 called How to Break the Trauma Bond. Um, there's a whole process in there that I lay out. I think it's got like 10 videos in it and there's this 10-step process. Um, the thoughts are not, I haven't looked at it for, for a few months, so I can't, I can't quite remember what it was. There's the key concept to breaking the trauma bond was, well, one of the key concepts was stop calling it a trauma bond 
because you're not bondaged. You're not bonded via a chain uh, to this person through trauma. That's actually a false narrative. What was the deal? I think it was, uh, I think the key to it was like trying to deal with the fact that you're, you're creating like a Freudian split, a Freudian fetishist split inside of your head. And the trauma does that. Um, and it's, it's based on you having two hard drives and you have a hard drive that stores all of the good things that that person did and a hard drive that stores all of the bad things that that person did and you keep them separately. So you take away that and you integrate the two hard drives and you, that's when things start to make sense. It's painful. It's a painful process because you realize just how full of shit that person was and therefore how full of shit you had to consent to being to do that dance with them. So there's no trauma bond. It's just that we're attached to the nonsense narrative that we've created of the relationship that protects our, our sense of self, our ego. Um, so with humility and with a commitment to radical acceptance and extreme ownership, to use Marsha Linehan's radical acceptance, Jocko Willink's extreme ownership, and I get into both of them uh, in the course, so you got advice from a psychotherapist and advice from a Navy SEAL who's now a motivational speaker. And they actually end up saying the same thing. Um, it's to accept all of it. Don't split it into two different hard drives. Integrate the hard drives and accept the whole thing. It's painful. It's painful. But it's not the pain of obsessing over this person like a heartbroken puppy anymore. It's the pain of grief. It's the pain of loss. And it's good for you. It's good for you. That's how you do it. But it's laid out better in the course. Bottle Waddle says, Oi, oi, love your feed, Brad. Thank you, fam. How do you forgive yourself for acting crazy after a narcissistic breakup? Hey, man, people in bad states make bad decisions, you know? People do crazy things when they've been uh, provoked and prodded and, uh, you know, wound up. You will, you will react. Michael Chavez, is the number one goal to live independently or is it okay to let people help me for a short time in early recovery? without falling into parental rescue fantasy. Yeah, man, you need people. We all need people. Nobody does anything on their own. Not really. Not really. We all need people. So if you can get help and the help is offered, then I suggest you take it for as long as you need it until you can get back on your feet. Pain of naivety. Ep Found Home says, how long have you been doing what you do? I uh, started to breathe um, unconsciously when I came out of my mum um in a hospital in clatterbridge 41 years and eight months ago uh so i've been doing that for a while um and it's really no problem i can hold a conversation i can ride a bicycle i can chew gum and i just keep right on breathing um so ever since the doctor first hung me upside down by ankles and slapped me on my bottom cheeks very hard indeed i've been breathing it's amazing bottom cheeks Aisha Ritchie says, which course are you talking about? The one where you get hung upside down and then the doctor goes, breathe! And you go, ah! what course are you talking about? Oh, break the trauma bond. Break the trauma bond was the course I was talking about. But earlier than that, I recommended for emotional literacy, the uh, Heal the Superego course. And then I started talking about things. Have you heard of Dr. Daniel Amen? Amen Ra, maybe. He's a brain specced imaging expert. Would be amazing if you did a video with him. I haven't. Sounds cool though. How to stop finding narcissists attractive, says Suzanne van der Kreeg. Um, Why don't you sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and at the top of that piece of paper, write list of things that I found 
that I find attractive about narcissistic, exploitative personality types. Why don't you write that list down and then write another list next to it that is things I would rather find attractive in people and, uh, and, and see, what, see what comes up for you. When you've done that, do an emotional literacy exercise about how doing those two lists made you feel. We're not out of control of who and what we find attractive as much as we would like to tell ourselves we are. What is your favorite song right now? Payasos by Romeo Santos and Frank Reyes uh, from the uh, uh, album Utopia. Uh, and um, also Wish Wish, which is DJ Khaled featuring Cardigan B and 21 Sauvage. These are both banging tracks. My favorites of 2000 probably. And then third place would be Deutschland by Rammensteiners. Are a lot of folks in Hollywood high conflict personalities? I don't know what's going on in Hollywood. I just know that I can't stay there for very long. I start to break out. Do those lists, says Lanell, and then repeat in, in, in capitals. This is from a person who's done my Break the Trauma Bond call. What to do about the fact that testing people is prudent but makes me feel manipulative? Um, that sounds like an emotional flashback, my friend. Sounds like some, uh, some maybe toxic shame, a little bit of guilt. Maybe you had a mother that wouldn't let you set boundaries. Maybe you had a mother that wouldn't let you say no. Because when you, when you set a boundary with somebody, you're all, it's, a boundary is always no. And if you were told never say no or good girls don't say no, then, uh, then you will feel feels. And some of them will be not good feels. So Hold Yourself says, Rich, can I do private therapy with you, please? I'm sorry, I don't uh, do one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore. I'm going to explore the possibility of doing uh, maybe like group chats um in 2020 but i don't do one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching have you watched game of thrones yes and i've read all the books as well how do you lose the hypervigilance post-narcissistic breakup um i think we covered that earlier in this talk so you uh, the once i've stopped it will spend a little bit of time it will re-upload and then you can you can watch that then um what do you think of descartes dualism and how it affects our modern view of sex i think it's wonderful Oh, Descartes, Descartes. I've got a feeling that one of my, there's something I had to do in my, in my A-level was um, translate, my French A-level was translate ancient, well, not ancient, but old French into English. I'm pretty sure that, that, that I had to do that. It was like this old Descartes philosophy book. Boring. I'm sure he's very clever. Certainly cleverer than me. Marinian, Marinian, Menandez says, for God's sake, be careful with group chats. For God's sake, for the love of the Lord, Ganesh, be careful with group chat. Well, I mean, all of my contact with, uh, with people who are looking for help is, uh, is always uh, tricky. It's always tricky, which is why I don't coach anymore. Um, I, get an, I get enough trouble when I, when I bloody do seminars. Have you ever had health anxiety? No, I'm not actually sure what health anxiety is. Mike. Where do you think it manifests from? Sorry, Nick, I don't know what that is. Christina Gomez says, folks, question mark. Well, what kind of a question is that? Any advice for those spending holidays alone? Thank you, Richard. Yes, enjoy yourself. Have a good time. God, life is short, man. The more you play this game, the faster it seems to go by. Do something that makes you happy. Resonate222 says, have you thought about doing ayahuasca again? Mother Ayahuasca was very clear with me on that point. I'm not to do ayahuasca or indeed take any drugs again in this. She was very clear. 
where I don't do one-to-one -one coaching anymore. I find it, uh, I personally find it very, very emotionally draining to uh, help people through their stuff. I'd much rather do a course on it. Um, it's not an efficient way of getting things done. Um, if I'm looking at, you know, time invested, I can't reach that many people. If I'm, if I do, I mean, if I just did four hours a day of coaching, five days a week, I'd be completely exhausted, be completely knackered. And then I wouldn't be able to make YouTube videos, wouldn't be able to make courses, wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, and I think a lot of the people who, when I first started out, nobody really knew who I was. They just wanted help. And now I've hit a point where people are, some people are paying to spend time with me and then calling it coaching, which is, uh, which is, which is really difficult and no less hard for me. It's, uh, that's still emotionally very stressful. Is it better to give somebody a nuggy or a nipple twist? I mean, it's better for their nipples if you give them a nuggy, but that, you know, that sword cuts both ways. Do you do seminars in New York, Richard? No. I don't live in America. I live in Europe. I might do a seminar in you, but uh, there's no no immediate uh, plans. Emotional trauma is heavy, says UG Rose. True. Ella Suarez says, Hola, abuso narcissista es little vomitare. Is it possible to break a trauma bond after a 20-year relationship, says Beth Benson? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is. Marina Kalinova. Strastavoitia Tavarish. How do I get my motivation to wake up in the morning back? I stay in bed dreaming as long as I can for 10 to 11 hours. I prefer my dreams to my reality. I don't really want to wake up. What do I do? Discipline, my friend. Set that alarm for 6.30. When it goes off, get your ass out of bed. Start dancing immediately. Let there be no delay. Move. Break the pattern. Just uh, seven days of, of getting up um, at 6.30, and then you'll naturally want to get up at 6.30. Has the CIA and the M16 manipulated you, says Ty? Oh, they do. They come round to my house. They manipulate my joints. They manipulate my eyeballs. <laughs> they manipulate, oh, they're just dirty. Dirty little intelligences they are. <laughs> they love nothing more than finding random citizens like me to come round and oh, give them a bit of a poke. He's a naughty boy. <laughs> they're all perverts. I know them intimately. Way more intimately than I would like. <laughs> um, come to Poland. Yes, I shall. Moira Aberdeen. What helps people the most, do you think? Info is good, but what makes them take action and move through and on? Um, themselves. Themselves. Themselves help themselves the most. You're with you 24-7. So the, 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 the major issue with trauma to me, um, the way that I conceptualize it in my uh, somewhat crude engineering style way is when I looked at my own trauma and other people's trauma, it's, it's consistent action over time, isn't it? So you're in an environment that conditions you to respond in a certain way with hypervigilance, with fawning, with rage, with freezing, with flighting, and you can't escape it. So in adulthood, you kind of have to mirror in a conditioning sense, in the, in the sense of like neural pathways, you have to mirror the uh, conditioning environment. So who can you not escape? You. Uh, where who's with you all the time you so you have the best chance of creating an environment for yourself that reconditions you out of the trauma there's a, I just said something profound and useful for those that could hear it I love your Russian thank you Marina Spasiba you should do your Russian voiceover yourself my opinion as a translator 
yes, I have gone on Google Translate, though, and read sentences in Russian, or it tried, and I'm like, why is there a consonant after a consonant after a consonant? And how am I supposed to say that word? And then the woman on Google Translate will be like, oh, this is how you say this. And I'm like, that's not what I'm reading, though. It says it looks like it says something completely different there. Um, the guys who are running the YouTube channel, I really, they're, they're young lads, um, but they're doing a really, really good job of translating everything that I'm doing or, or things that I'm doing into Russian. And I like that guy's voice. He has, a, he has a good voice. He has a good voice over voice. So if I wanted to say I can't speak Russian, if any of you have laptops, you can try this uh, on Google Translate. Je ne parle pas russe. Because as you can see, I've studied French, so I have a great French accent. I never buy for the French. I never, I never could get my head around it. I'd like to. I'd like to get it. Okay. Ya ne mogu govorit po ruski. Now let's see what the lady says I'm supposed to say. I'm reading this. Can I show you this? I can. Ya ne mogu govorit po ruski. Okay. We all got that? Let's see what the lady says the actual pronunciation is. Ya ne mogu govorit po ruski. Okay. Bad example. Say it again. She sounds a bit drunk the second time around. I think you've had enough. It's time for you to go home, Lady Google Translate. Pissed again. Well, usually when you try and do this, it's, 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 it doesn't sound like what the, the words are. But um, thank you, I appreciate that. Everybody go and play with uh, Google Translate. It's good for you. You will learn things. Now, it <laughs> needs more vodka, says Jeff Watkins. You vicious stereotyper. You savage. <laughs> Do you want some coaching with your Russian accent, Richard? I don't, I can't speak Russian. I don't know how to speak Russian. So there's no coaching for, for a language that I don't, I can't speak. But thank you, that's very kind of you to offer. Do you have some Slavic grandparents? Your Russian is good. I um, I do have uh, Finnish Russian DNA in me. It's all in this finger. It's always pissed and fighting this finger. It's just I'm joking. It's a joke. Um, I'm allowed to say it because it's in me, right? So yeah, I have um, some Russian in me, uh, but I uh, worked in the um, nightclub security world for a number of years in London. And there's a lot of Russian guys there. Plus, I was doing Sistema, so I was training with a lot of Russian guys. I'm pretty good natural mimic. I can mimic people's people's voices. Plus, if you're bored on a nightclub and you're just standing there, like trying to find things to talk about to occupy your mind until the shift is over, you you talk a lot. So, the longer you're exposed to people's inflections and way of speaking, especially because I would like as a laugh, I'd take the piss out of them. And uh, if you take the piss out of some, if you mock somebody. Uh, you can you can actually get a handle on what they're doing by exaggerating the inflection. So then, when you exaggerate it, when you dial the exaggeration back in, you've actually got the pattern of the uh, of the of the speech, right? What did I just say? Anyway, ask me questions about trauma. What are we talking about? <laughs> I'm in Brooklyn, says Angela. Good for you. That's the last time, the only time I did a seminar in in uh, in New York. It was in Brooklyn. Can you do an American Midwestern accent? That's tough. There's nothing really to get a hold of with American Midwestern. If you gave me like a YouTube clip to copy, I would I would try and do it. 
Um, I went through a phase of, of trying to do Tom Hardy. He had a weird American accent in The Revenant. And I was like, what is that? Is that like, is that like the border between, is it Georgia? Is it Carolina? What's Tom Hardy doing? Because there's a scene in the film where um, another English guy who's pretending to be American says, did you kill him? Or did you, like, you didn't, you didn't try and save him, did you? And Tom Hardy looks at him and he goes, no. And I'm like, what? Which bit of America is? No. It was really weird. And I found an interview online and he wasn't doing a state or a province. He wanted to do Tom Berenger. And I was like, well, that's interesting, but it's still wrong because Tom Berenger doesn't talk like that. Now, let's get back to things of psychology. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. Anything at all. Anything at all. I'm ready. Better yet, do a North Wisconsin accent. If I stayed there for a week, I bet I could do it. I bet you I could do it. Fargo, you betcha. Uh, have you seen Knives Out? Daniel Craig does a killer Southern accent. Yeah, I, I, I read uh, a review. Uh, sorry, I listened to a review. <laughs> as, if, as if I read. Uh, no, I read. I, I, I listened to a review of that. Apparently, it's really, really good. I saw it in the advert. It seemed very, very convincing. But which you say a Southern accent? Which bit of the South is he is he doing? Is that what is that? Is that New Orleans? Is it Louisiana-y? What, what, what is he doing? Have you seen Tom Hardy and Stuart My Life Backwards? No, I haven't. It's Tom as you've never seen him before. Oh, okay. I'll check it out. What's your opinion for Bran Stark? Oh, it was, it was just awful. Oh, awful. 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 I'm tired right now. And it's probably time for me to wrap the stream. But if you gave me three minutes, a napkin and an eyeliner, I could write a better ending to Game of Thrones than the steaming pile of plop that they came up with. It's like it's like they wanted to totally, they were like kids kicking down a sandcastle before they left. They're like, let's totally deconstruct everything that was good about this show. God, it was awful. Bloody awful. Bloody unforgivably bad. You know it's bad when the actors and actresses walk away from it going, God, that was shit. And you know what's so unforgivable to me? is, is uh, you know, as, as a frustrated writer um, of fiction, um, is it was only the writing. You, it wasn't, it, they had the budget, they had the effects, they had great actors, they had people, the costumes. You know, Game of Thrones was getting better and better as people working with each other over, what was it, eight years. They're just getting better and better at it. It's just bad writing. It was just really awful writing. And it made me think there's some bloody conspiracy to just ruin quality with with bad writing at the moment i mean look at these like the star wars movies now I mean, who show me the table where people sat around and made these decisions and went yeah luke skywalker is going to turn up at the end and he's going to fight but he's not really there he's meditating I'm like, what do no god that's awful stop it that's what they need to dose of stop it now ask me a question about psychology they to totally, they killed the ending. It was shocking. Ridiculous. It was, it was unforgivable what they did. Unforgivable. How did the 75 hard go? Um, it caused me to drop seven kilos, uh, which was impressive. And to move forward personally and in a business way that was like frightening to me as an observer. I was like, wow, <laughs> this has sent me up the wall. By the rules of 75 hard, I failed 75 hard. If you don't drink a gallon of water every day, if you don't take up the progress pictures, were the first thing to go. God, I couldn't be arsed taking pictures of myself in my flipping undies every day. But great, you know, if anybody is thinking about doing it, I highly recommend it. One serious point, though, uh, with my knee injury, I really probably should have left it. 
uh, for two months because I really set my knee recovery back. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was great. Good experience. Very good. How to help my husband, who's kind of in shock, having only realized his parents recently suck. His parents suck recently at 33. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, when you've lived one story and it's, uh, you know, it's such a big thing, like your parents, it's a whole grieving process that people have to go through where you kind of, you end up, you kind of lose your parents in a sense because they, if they're not doing the job of parenting, like being a parent, you're a parent, that's a noun, but parent is a verb and the verb is way more important than the noun. And if you're not doing that job, yeah, it's um, that's tough, man. I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. Really sorry to hear it because it's it's unpleasant. It's an unpleasant thing. Mike A says, Tully Archer, ask him if he wants your help first. Oh no, I'm sure I'm sure he would have done. That's why that's why the issues uh, come up. And when you're in a relationship with somebody like that, and they're coming to you and they're saying these are the issues I have with my parents, you have got to be there for them. Um, but yeah, it is it's it's unpleasant. Um, Richard, have you had any metaphysical experience personally, NDE? Uh, I've had plenty of metaphysical experiences, not a near-death experience. The closest I came to a near-death experience was I had, I had a traumatic brain injury um, doing martial arts, and um, I'm actually brain damaged. You wouldn't know it, would you? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, fuck, that's what, that's what it is. I, uh, I got multiple uh, skull fractures, the guy was, it was a consensual. It wasn't his fault. Um, I wanted the demonstration to look real. And he was hitting me with uh, a trained martial arts, was hitting me in the front of my face and in my head over and over again for a video that I was shooting. And then grabbing me by the neck and doing neck control throws. Well, the end result of that was the plate behind my nose broke. And then I got multiple hairline fractures all over my skull. And the sack around my brain burst. And um, I didn't know that it had. I was uh, tra I was doing the video shoot with him. And uh, I, it was with him. My, my videographer was there. And uh, towards the end, I was like, God, I'm really snotty. Ugh. Uh, maybe he's hit my sinuses. And now my sinuses are flowing. Uh, drove home. I knew I was concussed because I'd, I'd boxed before. And I knew I'd been knocked out before. So I know what concussion is. I was like, I'm, I'm concussed. I need to get home safely and... Because it's like driving drunk if you're driving concussed. You shouldn't be driving. So I got home, went to sleep, woke up the next day, and all over my pillow was this uh, clear fluid. And I lived with a girl who was a, a, a pharmacologist. And um, I didn't say anything to her. I tried to shower, and then I, I collapsed in the shower. And she was like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm feeling very well. There's a straw-colored fluid all over my pillowcase. Went to the hospital, scanned me. And uh, yeah, the brain, the, the sac around my brain had split um, and I was leaking cerebrospinal fluid out of my nose. Uh, they took care of me and, and you know, told me about my, my meningitis risks and stuff, how I couldn't swim. I wasn't allowed to submerge my head in water for, uh, I think it was 18 months or something. And uh, that led to a series of, there weren't NDEs, there were the experience of me switching timelines. So in my head... Um, I would kind of like, you know, like a TV show, like, um, like a quantum leap. So in my head, I'd be like a guy called the, the strongest one of these was I woke up and I was a guy called William who lived like this other life with a girlfriend and a story and parents and a dog. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I was this weird 
guy called called uh, oh no i didn't know my name at first but i knew i was in the wrong body and i was in the wrong house and i was really really scared it was really really frightening um that happened a couple of times i felt like i was jumping timelines but it was um i actually got interviewed by the bbc because there's a there's a guy i know who's from my area he's called anthony peak and he's very into consciousness and the, the concept of the eternal return and that this reality is a simulation. And he thought I'd actually shifted realities. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that. But yeah, that's one of them. But I've had a bunch of uh, metaphysical experiences in my life. I don't talk about it very much because it puts people off and it kind of detracts from the, the, the validity of the psychology. How do I help my friend who's on his way into a toxic relationship? He's got a, he, I've got a terrible gut feeling with a new girlfriend. She's smearing me and pushing him to buy a flat two months into dating her. There's not really much you can do, is there, mate? You know, he's your friend and you love him and you care about him, but he's in a thing now. He's in a thing with this person. Um, and the risk, and the reason why you know this, I know that you know this, but I'm going to say it for people who don't. The reason why you're asking the question is you're sensitive. You're realising that if you challenge him on her, he's like in a cult of two. And if you're against the cult, then you're the enemy and you could get discarded. So you've got to be very, very careful. Be patient with him and uh, be there on the other side. Once you've said what you need to say, gently and softly, say it once, don't say it again, and say to him, listen, mate, I'm going to say this once, and I'm not going to say it again. I'm not going to pester you about it, but I don't think this is a very good idea. Um, but, you know, I'm here for you. Have you read the book Holographic Culture by Pierre Sabac? Any tips for overcoming anxiety of a very real threat? Well, if it's a very real threat, I don't know that we would consider it to be like a neurotic, anxious response. If I get concussed, I'll either die or I have to have a quarter million dollar surgery. Um, well, the anxiety is there to say, be careful. But you don't want to be so careful and so anxious that it's ruining the quality of your life. What time has a Prague? Prague has 20 minutes to midnight, means I am going to bed soon. John Gillant says, hey, Richie, what astrological sign are you? Subtracting 41 years and eight months didn't give precise results. I don't give my uh, my precise birthday out because I don't want people casting spells on me. Um, so nobody's allowed to know exactly when I'm born or my real name. I aspire to become someone like you. Help people with psychology and philosophy as either a coach or a psychologist. That's cool, man. I'm inspiring you something. He looks Leo. I'm not Leo. I'm a fish. I'm a fish. I'm a ram. I'm a fish. John Gillen says, seriously, man? Yeah, seriously. No, I, I don't give out my uh, star sign because I don't want people putting spells on me. I've had, I've had spells put on me before and I didn't enjoy it. And there are nutters out there that would. Susan Smith says, do you really believe in spells? Do you really not believe in spells? Seriously? Neil Clark says, he's piss as if anyone can overpower a being in his own power. He's a Pisces, Aries, Cosp. John Gillen says, okay, bro. Listen, don't get funny about it. I don't have to tell you when my date of birth is. That's not how this works. Just because you ask a question about my personal life doesn't mean that I'm going to answer it. People get grumpy with me. I'm just, I'm just some random dude on the internet. Why do you need to know? How do you get spells undone? You have to go and see a, a magus or a shaman and get it done. That's what I did when somebody put a, sh a spell on me. I went to Malaysia and I had the, the BOMO magic that she'd used on me undone. Susan says, your voice is soothing after all these courses. I'm glad to hear that. What resources are there to counter spells? Bloody hell. <laughs> okay, guys, wowie.
we've really gone down the rabbit hole here. Um, what about good magic? Yeah, it's all good, man. Good magic is good. Good is good. Love is love. Happiness is happiness. And joy is joy. Anka says, healing, that's a mangat. That's right. Some of you all remember that story. Blood of Christ. Or a dark triad shaman can put one on you. They certainly could. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for your time and attention. I hope that you do direct your consciousness, your time and your attention to happy things that make you feel good, that put you back in your serenity, back into your agency and control of your life, your mind, your body and your emotions. And uh, focus on what you do want. Think about what you do want. Think about moving forward, getting on with your life, set your intent. Set your intent to feel good. Set your intent to be around good people. Set your intent to spiral upward, not downward. And be responsible. You know, take responsibility. Act in accordance with your highest values, your core values, the best of who you are. And engage in consistent action over time. That's the essence of discipline. There is no freedom in this life without discipline. Discipline is a good thing and it makes you free. Thank you very much. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very soon.